This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. About uh, 15 or 16 years ago, thereabouts, uh, when I was working at that silk screening shop in downtown Minneapolis where my wife currently works, uh, she worked there as well uh, back in the past. Uh, it's where we met. And uh, yeah, so 15, 16 years ago, uh, I was still working there. Amy uh, had been laid off from there. Uh, she was pregnant. And then she decided, well, you know, she was going to be quitting anyway because she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. So she was in the in the early days or years of, uh, of stay-at-home momness. And uh, I was still working in the office at that silk screening shop. And it was a day that uh, was like, you know, almost any other day there. Uh, at least it started that way. And uh, I worked in the office, as I said, and that's on the first floor. But there was the uh, the basement area. It was where um, we stored our screens and uh, films for shooting screens and had the machines, that the, the light tables that were used to shoot the screens and all that kind of stuff. And there was a guy that worked down there taking care of the screens. He would, you know, prepare them for shooting and he would clean them up and and reclaim them them if when needed uh so you know uh, he worked down there and he came in and i think he was probably the guy that raised the alarm i'm not sure though it's been a long time but the alarm was raised um first came in i was in the office and next thing i know they're coming back into the office could have been that guy and saying uh, we got to call the fire department so what happened well what happened was there was a um a sprinkler water main pipe down there in the basement that had burst and water was just shooting into the basement like from a fire hose it just was just coming in like crazy if you went to the top of the stairs leading to the basement you could hear the water just just gushing into the basement and what had happened was uh well we called the uh, the fire department was called they came out and they couldn't figure out how to turn off the water so they had to call the city city sent one of their you know a utility crew or whatever you would call them they came out and the, and the the reason why the fire department couldn't turn out figure out how to turn off the water was that the turnoff switch was outside uh, under the street you had to access it through a manhole cover and and so they so the city workers did that they turned off the water 
and you know then we had to start cleaning it up the water would recede and we had to get fans going and clean stuff up in fact that day i mean the water got deep enough it was like i don't know four or five inches deep I, I i was down there rolled up my pants took off my shoes and socks and was walking barefoot in the basement floor with all that water around it was not it was kind of yucky but it was helping to move stuff up off the uh, you know out of the way of the of the water and what we could do and uh it turns out what had happened was uh the pipe that had burst uh it was positioned would run across above the, the the floor only about 18 inches up from the floor back in the corner of uh, the basement and um somebody at the time or before that anyway was noticing how that that little bit of pipe was uh, sagging so what they thought would be a good idea and we're not sure who it was that did it but there was a big cinder block or a big block of concrete that they they wedged underneath the pipe uh, to keep it from sagging anymore but where the pipe and the block uh, connected to each other where they touched each other um, you know concrete can can wick up moisture and and it can kind of hold it for a little bit and uh, the moisture was being held against the pipe and the pipe was slowly rusting away until finally the pressure inside was just too much and it broke through and that's what happened well a brand new section of pipe was was put in there insurance claims or whatever were done and you know the and people moved on and this was like i said 15 or 16 years ago well a couple weeks ago not this past Wednesday, but the Wednesday, Wednesday before. That week I didn't do a show. Uh, last week I didn't do a show uh, because it's just it's too much work in the evenings. I just had, I, it was just, it got to be too much. And I just couldn't get any, you know, I had stuff to do for a show. I had notes and everything written up to, to, to get prepared to do a show, but I just couldn't because I was just, uh, just my mind was too wiped from, from the very busy week. Uh, anyway, that, that that week, that Wednesday of that week, I dropped Amy off in the morning, and uh, and uh, you know somewhere I don't know like t quarter to nine in the morning or so, I get to the office. Was there for a while. Uh, ten o'clock rolls around. A little after ten o'clock, Amy called, and she said uh, uh, a water main. A sprinkler water main had burst and the basement was filled with water and mud and I said again <laughs> although it wasn't filled with mud the first time uh, but it wasn't exactly the same thing that had happened uh, 16 years ago uh, what had happened this time was uh, out on in the street in the, you know in that section covered by that manhole out in the street down in there somewhere a pipe had burst and the water was just going and going and going and it was seeping in to where water could find its way to go um, there was something I learned about uh, the the construction of the uh, of that little area there uh, out in front of the shop there's a sidewalk and under that sidewalk back in the old days used to be um, I, th I guess there were barrels that, that were kept under there or, or tanks that were kept under there that were filled with uh, like fuel oil or something. 
back in the old days they had those under the sink uh, under the sidewalks well at some point the city removed them and the sidewalk out in front of the shop then got filled in with with dirt it just filled up you know with soil and all that just got all filled in there but the business that's next door to the shop which is a bar restaurant next door uh, that extends all the way down to the corner that one apparently the space under the sidewalk made by taking out those tanks uh, was was kept there for what could I guess been used as some extra storage space for the basement of that building but from what I understand uh, the restaurant bar restaurant wasn't using that space and they may not even been aware that there was a space there maybe there was a door to it that was blocked off by shelving or something that they had down in their basement but there had it was an open area under there under that sidewalk so the water found that open area to, to gather into and it did and I guess they the, from what I was told the water got up to about like six feet in that in that empty space under the sidewalk and it pushed through a wall into the basement of the bar restaurant just flowing in and it brought in the mud and such from 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 under the sidewalk in front of the shop in through there so the water just goes right in and then it pushed its way into the basement of the shop at which Amy works now and it was a mess and where it was five or six inches deep 15 16 years ago uh, the boss was telling me it was more like 10 or you know or so inches deep in uh, this time and just just muddy water and oh it's just I guess it was bad I had a chance that following Friday to go I used a couple Fridays a month I pick up Amy from work and then we go we go get some lunch downtown and then I take her home and then I go back to work um, so this, that Friday was one of our days to do that. So I got came in and I talked with the boss and, 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 and the people there. And I went downstairs and I was looking at it. And the boss was showing me the stuff. And, and, uh, and it was just, it was crazy. It was crazy uh, what had happened. So uh, insurance will cover. And they had a professional uh, 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 company that, that takes care of this kind of mess. Not like a janitorial service like I work for. Uh, somebody that specializes for more this kind of stuff, this industrial disaster type mess <laughs> kind of thing. And, and they were talking about, you know, they had these fans and they're really neat looking fans and dehumidifiers and things all set up around the basement. And they were talking to the boss about what they could do when they come in the next Monday and all this, getting everything's arranged. So, yeah, that was an interesting, interesting turn at the place. So they, uh, they're, um, yeah, they're, uh, they're getting some new equipment or some equipment repaired. Uh, the table that they use, the light table that they use to burn the screens, uh, they, they have a couple of them down there. One of them has a part that's been ordered to, uh, to be brought in to, to fix that one up. The other one, I think Amy says they're still deciding whether they want to try and fix it or get a new one. So, uh, And then, so in the meantime, to burn screens, I think they've talked to other silk screening shops to kind of work out a deal. Can, can you guys burn screens for us? <laughs> for our jobs until we get this taken care of and I think they're helping out which is kind of cool uh, <laughs> so yeah interesting interesting bit oh and also that week another little interesting bit um, it was the day before I picked up Amy 
I usually get her around noon or so. She puts in about three hours a day. Uh, as it gets to the busier season, I'm sure she'll go to four or five hours a day, maybe to full time. It depends. Um, but uh, so, so I picked her up at about noon, and I had to make a stop at one of our customers to drop off some supplies. And uh, this particular customer has customers. So when I go in, you know, there's people going in and out of the building. And uh, so I, 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 you know, I go in and I check in at reception and then I go do what I need to do. And Amy was just sitting in the car, just waiting in the parking lot. And a customer had pulled in and parked in front of our car, um, just off to the side, but in, but in front. And Amy could see the license plate uh, on this vehicle. Uh, a nice elderly woman got out and walked into the into the into the building, and then, then I come out, and I get in the car, and Amy points to the to the license plate, says, "Check it out." Now it was a personalized plate, and it had the letters. Uh, it was personalized with these letters, A M Z N G R C, A M Z N. G R Z R C G R R C. Okay, you got that. <laughs> I'll put a. Well, I don't know if I should put a picture of it, but but that that's that's what it was. And I'm I was looking at A M Z N G R C. What Amazon? What? And I'm looking at it, and Amy says, "Amazing race." I said, oh, okay. Now, Amazing Race, that's uh, one of the reality game show, TV show things. Uh, it, it's kind of like Survivor and Big Brother and those sorts of shows, except it's better. <laughs> I mean, these kinds of shows aren't my thing, although I, I, I will admit that if I watch them, I, I can get caught into it, but I, I don't particularly like them. I don't like the 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 the, the contestants sitting in sitting down in their little room and talking directly to the camera and telling us about their alliances and how so and so bit them in the back and all this kind of nonsense. I, I, I don't like that kind of thing. Uh, but Amazing Race isn't quite the same thing as that. As I understand the Amazing Race, uh, the, the way it works out is uh, um, they have pairs. They have teams that are a pair of people. So it could be you know father daughter uh, husband, wife, boyfriend, boyfriend, pals, whatever. You know, they're just two people. That's two people on a team. And they are set to do these tasks that take them around the world. And they're working their way to a particular location. And the way teams get eliminated is they, they come in last. I don't know if every show has an elimination round or not. I don't know about that. But they just, if, if there's an elimination round, it's the team that gets there last that's done. You're done. You're there last. You know, it's none of this voted off or anything like that. So as far as I, as I can recall, there's no alliance building between team members or, or any, you know, between the people in there. It's just the the team, the two-person team, work together to do these tasks and go to these places and you know make it around. And it's 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 not bad as far as these shows go. So Amy likes the show, and she and I guess it's on now. And she she was saying she's looking at the woman that got out. She says I didn't recognize her. She's maybe thinking she was a, a contestant on the show, or maybe the mother of one. And so she's just she was really excited. And I said, oh, take a picture of the license plate. I'll send that to um, my friend Craig, uh, who is also a fan of the show Amazing Race. And Amy and Craig have talked about the show with each other on, on at least one occasion. And um, 
you know, so send it to him. I think he'll he'll find he'll get a kick out of it. So, um, so, so we so she sent me the picture. I sent it on to Craig, and then um, at some point, Craig had a chance to check his uh, his uh, uh, texts and such, and he got back and he's he's asking like, I, I'm, I'm amazing RC, what what huh? You know, he didn't quite get it, and I said, amazing race. And he went, oh, okay. And, you know, it's like, oh, I see. The moment I texted him and sent the text, the moment it popped up on the screen that I sent the text, amazing race. The moment I wrote that, it dawned on me what it probably really was. It hit me that, you know, judging by... Uh, the woman that I, I saw her too, judging by just looking at her, thinking, okay, uh, judging on that, and thinking, I don't know, Amazing Race seems seems awfully, I don't know, it seems awfully uh, pointed, but you know, or or very specific to something that I don't know how big it is, you know, around the world or around the country. It, but it hit me, Amazing Grace. Not amazing race, amazing grace. That's what it was. It was some Christian thing. Oh. Now, I think I can say this, and, I, and Craig won't get upset with me, but um, it's, it's understandable that three atheists, that would be me, my wife, and Craig, that, that it didn't occur to the three atheists that it was amazing race, we, or, or amazing grace. It didn't, didn't occur to us. You know, it occurred to me that it could have been Amazing RC before Amazing Grace. You know, Amazing RC, somebody's a real big fan of RC Cola or of uh, of uh, Richie Cunningham from Happy Days or something. something. That would have occurred to me before I would think Amazing Grace. Well, actually, that's not true because Amazing Grace did occur to me <laughs> eventually. And I just, and I just uh, oh, okay. And I thought, how... How odd it would have seemed to this woman if uh, we were still in the parking lot and the woman came out to her car and Amy rolls down the window and says, Amazing race! Amazing race! And the woman's like, what? Your license plate, amazing race! Oh, no, dear. That's amazing grace. Oh, it is? Oh. Oh. Oh, well. Have a nice day. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's not the first thing that would have come to our mind. We, uh... We just, I guess, uh, we just don't think that way, uh, being atheists. Anyway, um, I do think it's time I take my first break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. I'll be back after this break. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. Oh, Lord, honey, can somebody tell me what my future holds? Hey, man, you think I can get a reading? Wrong answer. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Dr. Dim, Jim Fitzsimmons, only on Z Talk Radio. 
Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. But we give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. <sighs> okay, so um, it's awfully disappointing when I see uh, skeptics on Facebook uh, failing to practice their skepticism. Um, this is something, you know, that happens because, well, sometimes it's political viewpoints can do that. Um, you, you, you know, we all have our personal biases. We all have prejudices. We need to be uh, cognizant of that fact and be careful to protect against it. I mean, if we're skeptics, everybody should be doing such a thing. It's so much easier to accept the information that uh, that you get or that you stumble upon on Facebook or, or, or on uh, anywhere actually, but on Google. You find that, so, oh, this agrees with me. I agree with it. I'm not going to put it through as much tests as I should. It's easy to do that. Uh, it, it's easy, you know, to win something that disagrees with your viewpoint, with your personal biases and that it's uh, it's you tend to be more likely to dig into that a little deeper and and so and and hopefully i'm not doing that right now <laughs> but um I, I saw this and i just i thought this would be is hmm, the first thing you got to ask is is this even true is there something there is there really something there that this person's going on about and then you know, look into it. T- take a little time. And it was—it's not somebody well known as a skeptic. At least I don't think so. Uh, this particular person—it's a Facebook friend that uh, I just see them post once in a while, and often it's a, something skeptical. And for the most part, yeah, they—they—it they, looks to me like they're—they're they're doing their job correctly, <laughs> uh, if it's, you want to consider it a job. But uh, every now and then, or at least this person. Did something that at this point, what? Oh, come on! And what they did was they shared a meme. There was a couple of photographs, and um, and it had some text in it. You know, that's how the these memes generally go. And the text was, "If L.A. Los Angeles, if L.A. can do this on Sunday, but force this on Monday, there is no state of emergency." Now, what this is referring to, uh, the images in there, it's referring to um, the Super Bowl. That that happened, uh, you know, a week ago. Uh, the Super Bowl happened. 
It's a big football game, American football. It's a big event in this country. I mean, it's a big event. I'm <laughs> not kidding. Uh, they, they were in here in the Twin Cities, and, and it probably is the same way all over the country, in metro areas all over the country, that uh, when you're on the, the freeways around the, the, the cities, uh, there are these, uh, um, there are these uh, uh, changeable signs that go across uh, overpasses as you're driving on the freeway. Uh, they can they can give you how much time uh, traffic you know the, the current traffic how fast it's going. It gives you how much time from where you are to the 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 next turnoff or something like you know the next major uh, intersection or something like that. It'll say it's like eight minutes or seven minutes or something like that. But otherwise, uh, and sometimes they'll have a message up there saying uh, crash ahead near this turnoff right lane closed prepare to slow you know stuff like that and sometimes they give messages like you know um you know buckle up and and live or something like that you know well on super bowl sunday over the weekend actually that saturday and before and the sunday these these message boxes were saying to you know make the make the best play make, uh, have a designated driver uh drive sober and that's kind of stuff because because that's how big the Super Bowl is. They know people are going to go out and party and treat it like a holiday, uh, unofficial holiday. It's, it, they, it's just that's how big it is. So, so this it, it, this this meme uh, it, it show it has that text in it, and the first picture shows an interior shot taken from one end uh, from one end zone looking uh, down the field to the other end zone, way up high. You can see the crowd in the stands. You can see that there are people on the sidelines. But you don't get real good detail of either. But you can see they're there. And then in the, uh, the, the second picture has a classroom, uh, inside a classroom, there's these uh, grade school kids. There are... Um, there's uh, five of them pictured in there, and they're holding their hands up, and they're all wearing masks, you know, covering their noses and their mouths, and uh, they're just—I kind of, uh, don't know what they're doing. I know it's—I it's, know the person who created this meme saw that image. And said, oh, that'd be perfect because the kids are being forced. That's why they got their hands up, like a gunpoint by the government. And. So they say, you know, if L.A. can do this on Sunday, meaning they can have the Super Bowl with a big crowd of people inside a stadium, but then on Monday force these kids to wear masks, they're saying there is no state of emergency. This is an anti-vax, anti-mask, anti-COVID mitigation measures meme. And the fact that a skeptic shared this, and not only that, another skeptic liked it. And that second skeptic, is somebody who is a bit more known with it, among skeptics anyway. He's had articles uh, published. Uh, he's, I think he's, I don't know if he's written any books, but he's well known. I think he has a blog that uh, that his particular um, uh, bailiwick when it comes to skepticism is to be skeptical of UFOs. That's his thing. And that's pretty much his only thing, I guess, because his politics get in the way. He's a conservative sort, 
libertarian maybe I'm not sure and he I, I, and it's his politics kind of interrupt his skepticism and so he liked that and and I just went what are you doing okay the problem I had was first of all is this true is what did LA do what did Los Angeles do because it shows the stadium it's uh, SoFi Stadium which is the home of the Los Angeles Rams and the Los Angeles Chargers, and was the site of this year's Super Bowl. So, um, I uh, I decided, okay, well, let's find some, let's find out what uh, what protocols were in place for fans going to the Super Bowl. So I googled, um, you know. Uh, did people need to? Did, uh, did people need proof of vaccination to attend Super Bowl? And I got a few hits back uh, uh, that said, "Well, there was uh, USA Today has a fact check uh, article series that they do, and in this particular one said uh, this was published before the Super Bowl, said that uh, California and Los and LA County, Los Angeles County." Uh, will have uh, uh, protocols in place that require wearing a mask, showing proof of vaccination, or a negative test result for COVID to attend the Super Bowl. So the people that are going there, they would have to show their vax cards or show their negative tests, and they'd have to wear masks. Now, further reading and other things I found talked about how you know, it was going to be difficult to to enforce the masking because there is you know people could take their masks off if they're going to have their you know drink a beer and have a pretzel or a hot dog or whatever they do at these ball at these football games and it was going to be hard to, to, to police that in fact the uh, the mayor uh, of Englewood which I guess is the particular part of LA where the park is the stadium I should say is uh, he admitted that it would be difficult to enforce, but he trusted that people would do the right thing for themselves and others. <laughs> sure, sure they would. I looked for shots of the crowd, and I saw maybe one or two people wearing masks. So, okay. And then, see, here's now here's where I draw back a little bit. I can understand because there was some other, there was this other skeptic that's fairly well known, and he's he's a, his, he's become a bit problematic. But he was early on in the '90s. I mean, he was the go-to skeptic. It was Michael Shermer. He's the publisher of Skeptic Magazine, and he's you know he was the go-to guy. He's but of course he's got his libertarian sense, his, his conservative sense to him, and I think that sort of kind of colors his skepticism a bit. Um, and he's he lately he's been talking about uh, how ridiculous the masks mandates for restaurants and bars are because people wear a mask in but then they can take it off and eat and I do understand how that seems like it doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, the virus doesn't care if you're eating. I I I understand that, uh, but still, it's just I don't know. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's really all that great for you know for the greater good. The greater good. Um, so that's that, so that's the whole thing that they're talking, they're thinking of. They're looking at this, this whoever put this together, and the person who shared it, and the person who liked it, are all saying, "See, you know, they, they, these people can all they can do this football game thing, but the kids can't go to school without wearing masks." 
Well, I, I pointed out a couple of things. First of all, I, found, I pointed out to them that, in fact, there were vaccine, uh, there were uh, COVID protocols in place at the stadium. Again, the mask thing would be hard to, to enforce, but if everybody who was going in there is showing a legitimate, I mean, a real, not a faked vaccine card showing that they've gotten the three vaccines, or at least the two, uh, or one if they got Johnson and Johnson, but you know the the two and the booster. If they're showing that, okay, you got that, and if you got negative tests, well then the masks may not be as necessary, because these people are you know look, but you know Omicron Omicron still gets by things. We'll see if there's any kind of a spike that comes from the Super Bowl that can be traced to that. But I, it just it just bothered me that they didn't go that far to see if there were protocols in place. Which there were. And then it also bothered me that they didn't take another look at that meme. Because at the bottom, in very small type, you will see it says ca.childrenshealthdefense.org. And I thought, oh, there's a web address here. Let's find out what that web address is all about. And you know what that web address is all about? It's all about anti-vax. Anti-vax, anti-mask. Promotion of ivermectin. All this bullshit about the vaccines being dangerous. It's got the 24,000 people have died after taking the vaccine, according to VAERS. What's VAERS? VAERS is the uh, Vax Adverse Event uh, Reporting System. And that's a system in which you call this number or email this site and claim anything. I got the vaccine and I grew a third arm. You can do that. It's just set up by the government to be like an early detection of problems system. They, there's, it's just people just reporting it, but they're looking to see if there are any patterns. If they're seeing more and more, you know, like a certain area of the country, these things are coming through, or if it's a certain demographic that's reporting something like that. I think the various system was the first thing that kind of popped that that uh, indicated that there was the blood clotting issue with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. I think it was VAERS was involved in that, but it's not scientific. It, anybody can report anything. I died after getting the vaccine. Well, I got better, but you know, it's just, anybody can. And so, and so I got to that site and then I see up in the, in the upper uh, 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 right-hand corner is a picture of Robert Kennedy Jr., who is well-known to be an anti-vaxxer. Oh, he'll probably say, oh, I'm not anti-vax. I'm just against vaccines. So, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> he, it's, it, I'm sorry. It's just, they didn't even bother to look at where the source of this thing was. So it's very disappointing to me. I I understand the kind of the scratching your head and looking and saying, boy, there are all these people that are not wearing masks are in here, but at school the kids got to wear a mask. Yeah, they do. It's a little easier to control the kids at school to wear the mask than it is to control a bunch of yahoos going to see a football game. But still, but the kids, but the people that were in that stadium all had to show that they'd been vaccinated or they had uh, negative tests. So there's that. Skeptics need to do better. And try not to let their biases get in the way. Anyway. Gee whiz. I've gotten up to my next break. Huh, that came quick. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I shall return to yammer on about something else. Who knows what?
Hey everyone, this is Professor Dave. I want to teach you about all kinds of things regarding science. I want to tell you about physics. I want to tell you about chemistry, biology, astronomy, math, and many, many more things. Come check me out on YouTube. The channel is called Professor Dave Explains. Take it easy. He knows a lot about the science stuff. Professor Dave Explains. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio's Red-Headed Stepchild. It's Dr. Dim on Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Well, as long as I brought up the Super Bowl, I might as well give a little, you know, a little bit of my thoughts on, on the game and, and, the, and the pomp and circumstance and all that. Uh, the game itself was, uh, was pretty good. Um, it was a little anticlimactic, uh, anticlimactic. Is that right? Anticlimactic. I have a tr- I have weirdness with that word for some reason. It was a little, uh, uh, this a little underwhelming in light of a couple few of the games that took place in the playoffs. There were some pretty, you know, humdinger games in the playoffs, and the Super Bowl was good. It was com- it was close. It wasn't a blowout because those can be pretty dull. Uh, I would have preferred to have the Cincinnati Bengals win. The, uh, the Super Bowl, then, but uh, the Los Angeles Rams winning it, which they won it in their stadium. Huh, that's pretty cool. Um, it, 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 it Having the, them win wasn't so bad. It, it didn't bother me that much. So at, least the, at least the hated Yankees didn't win. So, you know, you got that. Um, so, yeah, the game was, you know, the game was fine. It, it, and uh, the commercials, I, that's the other thing about the Super Bowl. The, the big thing is the commercials. And I, I've, you know, maybe it's me, but over the last, I don't know, 10 years, the commercials just haven't been as interesting as their reputation has built them to be. Uh, there was this long stretch where, oh, you watch the commercials. The commercials were always, you know, for a long time, have been a very interesting thing. But it seems like over the last few years, they just haven't. To, to, uh, maybe it's just me that the shine is off the uh, off the rose or whatever the metaphor is. It, it just doesn't seem like it, it to get me. In fact, I, I mean, it might have been because I was doing a little something with my comic books during the commercials, but I was looking up and paying some attention, but maybe not as close as I might have done in some other time. Um, 
the one I can remember is had uh, Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen in it, and I remember it being funny because the, I like those two guys; they're funny. Uh, but I don't remember what the ad was for, <laughs> just that they were in it. And I guess there were a lot of ads for for uh, cryptocurrency, which I don't know. I'm sorry, I I I don't know. I don't know about that Bitcoin and all that stuff. I I don't know. Um. So yeah, it, it, none, it, I, none of the ads really, really, really stand out to me. And then, of course, there was the controversy of the halftime. Now, come on, boys and girls, you, you listen to me. You, you guys, listen to me right now. I mean, are you surprised? Are you? He's. I know you're not. You, you're listening to me right now. You, you once when you heard, because you and I, you know, we we're not you know lumps on a log, right? So when you heard what the lineup was for the entertainment for the halftime show was going to be, you know, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Mary J. Blige, you already knew, I knew, there's going to be a segment of this country that's not going to like it. Uh, they're going to lean right, that segment. You know, there's just going to be that. They're just going to they're going to be saying stuff, and it's going to be, you know, they're uncomfortable with black people being the focus of something like that apparently and it, i'm sorry i'm just calling it that's what they're going to be doing and that's what they did <laughs> that's what they did you know um i mean i watched the halftime show sort of hip-hop is not my favorite form of music there's some of it i like a lot of it i don't know and some of it i don't care about at all you know don't like it all but you know, Dr. Dre's bit and Snoop Dogg's bit uh, it had a nice groove to it, what they did, and I just kind of, you know, I like that. Um, the, uh, I, I didn't even know 50 Cent was in it. 50 Cent was in it. I didn't even know he was in it. Uh, uh, what's uh, what's his name? Uh, some other one. Uh, God damn it. Uh, Kendrick. Was that his name? I, I, I can't remember. Uh, I didn't particularly care for his bit. Um, Mary J. Blige was fine. Uh, and Eminem, I liked, but I, the, the one big song that he had, you know, the only one from the movie, Eight Mile, um, I like that song. I, I think there's something cool about it. But, you know, overall, the halftime show was, man, it was fine. You know, Mary J. Blige lip-synced most of her stuff. Um, I don't know about the other people with their rapping, if they were doing the lip-syncing to that. I don't know, but that's the way it is now in Super Bowl halftime shows. It's just, that's the way it is. Uh, it was fine, you know, because again, I'm not a big fan of the hip hop stuff, but some of what I heard there was pretty good, and and I just you know kind of watched it and went on. I didn't even notice that Eminem took a knee. Didn't even notice, and that became a thing. Oh, he's taking a knee, you know. Yeah, it's just come on. <laughs> uh, but I'll say this though, it's more evidence. It's more evidence in the stack of evidence that's been piling up over the years since 2007 that the very that still the best halftime show that the, since the Super Bowl been trying to do big time halftime shows the best is still Prince. I watched it again, or at least you know went watched through. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I was just kind of skipping around, just seeing what you know, just just reminding myself of how good that was. He didn't lip sync, at least not as far as I could tell. He didn't pretend to be playing his guitar. He was really playing it. There's no auto tune, as far as I could tell. 
I mean, yes, he did a medley of his songs, but he only had 12 minutes, and it was tight and good, and he was great. You know, he was great. So it's still the best. And that's coming from a guy who likes The Who as much as I do, because The Who played a halftime show of the Super Bowl, and their halftime show was, eh, <laughs> eh. That's about it. That's about it. It just wasn't, eh, it was, eh. You know, it was fine, I guess, but it just lacked something. It just did. And Prince had the something. It didn't lack for anything, even though it's hard to get a full, you know, fully into something if you're only getting a part of this song and a part of that song and a part of this. It's it's hard to, you know, really get into something, but Prince managed to do it. He managed to do it. It was great. You know, his was great. This one was, I you know, I'll take the words of people who are fans of hip hop that will say that say that this is great. This was a really good, really good halftime. I said, okay, you're a fan of the, the genre of music. You know, much more than I am. You're more knowledgeable of, about it than I am. You know, and then you know, but of course the negative reaction was not surprising at all. There was some dipshit out there named Nick Adams. I have no idea who he is. But he said, you know, if we had a halftime show with Kid Rock and Ted Nugent and Lee Greenwood, that would be the greatest halftime show ever. Uh, somebody needs to remind Nick Adams that Kid Rock had performed in a, in a Super Bowl Super Bowl halftime show, Super Bowl 38, which is more known for the wardrobe malfunction than for Kid Rock being there. But Kid Rock was there. And, and do me a favor. I'll put a link to it. I want you to check out the lyrics to Kid Rock's song, Cowboy, which is was part of his medley that he performed. Check out the lyrics to the song, Cowboy. Okay? And see, I wonder if, if conservative Nick Adams would look at that, because he's a conservative guy, if he would look at that and think the same thing. Ooh, Kid Rock, maybe not. Oh, and while you're at it... Uh, while you're at it, Mr. Adams, uh, check out the lyrics to Ted Nugent's song, uh, Jailbait. Yeah, have a listen to that one. Or Cat Scratch Fever. <laughs> listen to that song. huh? This is, yeah, class. I'm not against it. You know, whatever. It's art. Whatever. But, come on. Oh, how much time have I got? Uh, yeah, I think I do. I'm just looking at my notes. I'm just seeing if I'd have the time. I do have the time. I have not done one of these in an awful long time. i got to do one. And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. <laughs> I certainly hope so. Uh, you guys know what Watch Mojo is? Uh, Watch Mojo is a... YouTube channel, a YouTube content creator. Uh, they do a daily video, usually a top 10 entertainment type video thing. Um, you know, they'll do like, I don't know, well, for instance, where I'm pulling this pedantic moment, uh, they do, it's a uh, top 10 unscripted Robin Williams uh, moments that were left in the movie. Now, if you know who Robin Williams is, uh, he's an actor, or was an actor. Started off uh, doing... 
he didn't do stand-up comedy. He did um, improv comedy on his own. He would just kind of get up there and just go. He might have some routines kind of set up. He might have you know little standard jokes to go to that that were part of his his act. But he was just a guy that would just imp- improvise stuff, and he was really good at it. And uh, you know one of his heroes was uh, Jonathan Winters, who was a guy that would also just kind of improvise stuff, just riff off of what he could, and get comedy out of that. And there's a lot of times it's just off the wall, wacky kind of stuff that uh, that uh, Jonathan Winters would do, and the same thing with Robin Williams. But Robin Williams was also a pretty darn good actor, and so he'd be in these uh, films and TV shows and that, and he would just uh, he would just come up with stuff. Um, now, part of me, maybe the cynical part of me, whenever I hear about how lines were ad libbed or you know that that uh, the whole scene was improvised and all that, I I kind of question exactly how improvised they were. Uh oh, what's that? Uh, cat's coming in. Yeah. Well, no. Look, kitty. I don't know how many times I got to tell you. The Earth is not flat. Okay, it's not flat. It may look flat to us because we're so small in comparison to the Earth, but it's not flat. It's you know the moon looks one way in the northern hemisphere, but it looks like it's you know to somebody from the northern hemisphere if they go to the southern hemisphere and they see the moon, the moon looks upside down to them. Oops, that's because that's because the moon is round. And the Earth is round, and the Moon goes around the Earth, and the same face faces us all the time. If it was flat, you you would see the same look of the Moon. It, 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 uh, no, no, it's not flat. So please stop trying to convince me it's flat. And besides, if it were flat, you and all your pals, cat pals, would have knocked everything off the edge of it by now. Yeah, yeah, go on upstairs. Anyway, where was I? So he would, I can, I can understand that, that sometimes things are improvised. That the, I would think that like at the rehearsal stage that they would improvise something. Or sometimes there's a line that just comes up and they say, oh, we got to keep that. Uh, one of the things they, they showed in an unscripted moment was, was from the film um, The Birdcage where Robin Williams is, he's in the kitchen of a restaurant and he's trying to calm a couple of people down, but he himself is really worked up and he, he starts to, uh, to, to leave and he falls, but he's not supposed to fall, but he gets up and he stays in character and he talks to the other two actors in there and keeps in character through the thing. And, he, and, they, and the Watch Mojo people are saying, if you look closely, you can see he almost loses it. He almost starts to crack up, but he keeps it together and they kept it in the film because it just, it worked. Okay, I can accept that. There's also from the film Goodwill Hunting, and there's a there's a where it, uh, it's the part where um, I'll spoil the movie for you a little bit. There's the genius janitor, the genius janitor in the film that was played by me. I, I mean Matt Damon, and then uh, Robin Williams plays this therapist that works with the genius janitor kid to get him to go out and take on life. You know, go out there. You know, seize the day. Uh, it's a different movie, but the same thing. And, and at the end of the movie, uh, the, the genius janitor leaves a note in, uh, in the therapist's mailbox. And the therapist comes out and 
reads the note and then what they did was at least according to watch mojo was they filmed that several times and the director gus van zant told robin williams to just just said just just go ahead and just improvise something each time just give whatever line you work with you know just whatever comes to you just let's do it and we'll see which one we like and and we'll use it and so you know they, they picked one that uh, that they liked in there uh so i can believe that i can accept that but the thing that I'm going to get pedantic about is also from Goodwill Hunting. Uh, it's it's a scene where, it, according to Watch Mojo, the whole bit was improvised. Both actors, uh, Matt Damon and and Robin Williams, uh, they're in the therapist's office, and the camera at the shot is going from is cutting from you know looking at Matt Damon to looking at Robin Williams and just back and forth between the two of them. But in the shots, as they go back and forth, you can see the back of the head of the other character. You, you know, Very out of focus, but you can see that it's there. And and I'll link to this, this Watch Mojo thing on the show notes page. Go to dimland.com, click on the show notes option, and you'll, you know, you'll find the link so that you can watch this. And this whole thing was improvised, they say, according to Watch Mojo. I'm not sure about that. Because the way the, the shots switch from one character to the next, uh, judging by the angle of the camera taking the picture, you would ex- I would expect to see the camera in each shot. Because if they set it up where the camera is behind the two actors, they, they have the set. It's lit so that both actors look just right. The cameras are set so that they look over the shoulder of the one character at the, at the one actor to the other actor, and then from that actor over his shoulder to the other actor. They're looking over each other. You should see the cameras, but you don't. So the odds are that the scenes were shot separately. That the it was set up, lit, and everything right, just to look at Matt Damon and have all his reactions while Robin Williams is sitting off camera or just in front of camera but out of focus, and he's feeding lines and 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 they're doing the scene so that Matt Damon can do all his reactions, and then vice versa, so that Robin Williams can do his stuff. They're 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 not all together. It's not a completely improvised scene happening, being caught as it's happening. I, I'm not sure I believe that. But the thing that I'm getting very pedantic about in this is that Watch, okay, Watch Mojo points out a certain thing that happens in, a, in, in the shot that shows Robin Williams uh, delivering his dialogue. There's something that happens in that. They said that the audience noticed it, and it seems to indicate something. Okay, here's what it is. Okay, now they're they're improvising the scene. They're having a breakthrough moment where the two characters are really connecting to each other and getting laughter out of each other, and and the therapist is sharing some information about his 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 late wife who died just a couple years prior to this, and he's telling the his 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 patient that his wife would fart when she was nervous. And she'd fart in her sleep rather loudly. And she'd do, do that. And so Matt Damon's character's laughing uproariously at this. And, 
and there's a moment where Robin Williams, you know, he tells of the time that he, she farted so loudly one night she scared the dog, and he, and she and he said she woke up she looks at me she says she says did you do that and he said uh, you know he says yeah I I didn't have the heart to tell her that it was her you know that's what he meant to say so when he says I didn't have the heart to tell her watch Mojo says points out that at that point the camera shakes a little bit indicating that the camera operator was laughing so hard he couldn't hold, he or she could not hold the camera steady I'm sorry but I don't buy it because I watch the scenes that they show that watch mojo shows right there in there and you'll see it when you look at it start watching watch closely the camera shakes not just on Robin Williams as it's looking at Robin Williams but it shakes while looking at Matt Damon it's a little harder to tell the Matt Damon the camera shaking but you watch behind Matt Damon is a is a is a is a window one of those frosted windows that offices will have it's an interior window so then the you know it's not you know, leading outside but it's outside the office it might be a hallway or something a reception area or something and so the window's frosted so you can see that it's like a wall anyway so you see that wall behind Matt Damon and the Matt Damon's laughing so he's moving the chair he's in is moving a little bit but the wall behind him is moving with the camera so the camera is shaking as it's looking at Matt Damon, and the camera shakes as it looks at Robin Williams, as the two characters are laughing. The camera is shaking. Just, just, just pay attention. You'll see it. Not just after the time that Robin Williams delivers the line, you know, I didn't have the heart to tell her. Not just after that, but even before it. I watched it a few times and look at the thumb. The camera's shaking. The camera's shaking. It's not that the camera operator couldn't control themselves because they were so caught up in the moment and so laughing along with everything it's because and this is my opinion it's because the director Gus Van Zandt purposefully wanted the camera to shake just a little it's subtle it's not like it's shaking like in Star Trek when when the Enterprise is being hit by photon torpedoes and everybody all the actors shake and but the camera shakes as well so as to you know give the illusion that the that the ship is shaking right not that you know, obvious. But the shake is there. And I think the shake is there to pull the audience into the scene. The viewer is in watching the scene. Now, we're not seeing each, each of these characters through their eyes because we can still see the blurred head, the side of the head, back of the head of Matt Damon, and the blurred back of the head of uh, Robin Williams in these in these sequences so we're not so we're, we're not the the looking through their eyes which sometimes filmmakers will do that they'll have the you know the cameras looking face you know there's two people talking to each other and the camera uh, is looking directly into the eyes of the one you know of each person talking when they cut back and forth and that's when you're supposed to be feeling like you're in there you're that character talking but here we're in with them we're laughing with them in the scene, in the theater, when we're watching this, or at home. We're laughing, so we're shaking too, but the camera is meant to do that. I think it's an artistic choice to just kind of draw us in even more, to pull us into the scene. It's not, I, you know, it's, I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong in this. My read of this could be wrong, but I don't look at that as being the camera operator is losing control 
of their professionalism and getting caught up in a moment and laughing and the camera shakes because both cameras shake and they shake throughout so when you watch the the thing see if you agree with me that that's watch mojo's take on that sequence is probably not what actually happened good night doctor good night frau blucher well, well, well. The end of another show. Uh, you do the vaccinated thing, get your boosters, wear a mask still, even if the mandates are coming off. You should be careful, because come on, we should still be careful, right? Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons, reminding you all to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Well, I'm going to hell.